episode 574 comes to you live on the 3rd of October 2022 when it comes to the 20 over world cup which is the most anticipated world cup beyond that it is the football world cup which is the next anticipated world cup but for now let's focus on the 20 over world cup no team is 100% ready which means every team has a few chinks in their armor which they need to fill the gap there will always be some or the other things which will have to be filled in that is injured players or players not making runs or having backups for certain kind of players that is all-rounders who are always on the injury list so no team is 100% ready even in football no team is 100% ready every team will have its own things to fill never in any tournament is a team 100% ready it's just how we look at one team vis-a-vis the other we presume that teams like especially what we call associate teams in this particular sport teams like UAE Singapore Hong Kong may be considered weaker teams compared to the more stronger 11 teams but in football it's the other way around india is a you know uh, associate team compared to the stronger teams who are the stronger teams everyone knows so let's not get into that debate and who are because india is ranked 105 or just above it in the football list and they're happy playing friendlies and that too with teams like vietnam and singapore and hong kong so whether we will ever play a proper match against what is called a stronger team no in hockey india is considered a strong team but their nemesis has always been australia whenever india faces australia in a hockey match whether it's a group match or a normal tournament or a final of a tournament as was seen in the CWG india had no answers australia's attacking style despite winning all their group games drawing one reaching the semi finals and finals with authority they ran into the brick wall called australia so every team will have a nemesis is this how you deal with that situation no team is strong no team is weak and if any team has any weaknesses it's just a matter of coincidence or say no it's how a team performs on that particular evening or that particular afternoon that is seen as how the team will perform but for now let's get into the india south africa t20 cup Now game 1 and game 2 couldn't be more like apples and oranges a team which could not score 100 runs in the 20 overs nearly chased down 240 runs in 20 overs just a couple of days later which shows in 20 overs there is no baggage there is no burden of what has happened in the previous match and especially when it's not a, when it's not a world cup when you're playing different teams you're playing the same team at least three or four times in a space of a week so you don't have to change your plans and how do you look at how the match went of course 
win the toss, bowled first, and you could hope that it would be a deja vu or what happened in game one that they would bowl out India for between 100-120. It didn't happen. India went on to score a decent score of two, around 240, which is good. It's a very good score. It's almost going at 12 runs per over, which means you need to score two runs per ball. And South Africa must be regretting that the first three or four overs they started slow and they lost wickets. If not for David Miller, who scored more than 50% of those runs, and their talismanic batter in Quinton Dickov, who usually scores fast but was not able to get off the blocks, as is the terminology. South Africa may as well chase down the score of 240, but they started slow and then suddenly decided to explode in the last nine overs. And then once again, India's dead bowling or mitio bowling came into the question: Can they do it? No Bumrah, no Bhubaneswar, no Mohammad Shami. The pressure was on the likes of Harshad Patel, Akshar Patel, Deepak Chahar, who was the standout bowler in this entire run fest of over 450 runs, where you saw fours and sixes as if it was a game happening in your backyard, but almost looked like that. And then every time they do it, the commentators regret. Oh, look at the size of the bat. Oh, look at. The width of the bat. Oh, look at the size of the ground. I think these are excuses. Bats sizes have not changed. Ground sizes have not changed. If it's a small ground, it has remained a small ground. Before also, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, right now, 20 years into the future, unless the the ground authorities decide that they will completely renovate the stadium and make it into a big stadium. But that rarely happens because it's a very expensive project. So if a stadium is originally bigger stadium, especially in this sport, then it remains that. Unless of course you want to renovate it, and then due to whatever logistical reasons, the stadium becomes the ground size dimensions become smaller or they're reduced. Generally, these things are not really focused on. So bigger grounds, smaller grounds are not relevant. If India is scheduling matches in relatively smaller grounds like indoor or Guwahati or Delhi, they have to do it because it's a rotation policy where the governing body has to make sure that every stadium in the country with over 36 states and at least Each state having at least one stadium, some having more than one stadium because if the, if it's a huge state, there are multiple cities, so those things also come into effect, and there are a lot of reasons as to why such things happen. It's a question of rotational policy, so let's not get into those details. Wherever the ground, wherever the match is scheduled, the players know it. This is the size they have to deal with it. And of course, one can question that Australia's grounds are bigger. They have been bigger since forever. Whether it was in the 70s, 80s, where there were no boundaries, that is the boundary holding the the cushioning you see right now, or you know, boundary holdings, and there are slight renovational changes. But those are slight changes. That's just the way we perceive it. Now you see 
coding with electronic advertisements once upon a time you had static advertisements now you see electronic advertisement that's just the way things work that's just how things progress that's that's the way things are and those boundary questioning it's just because it's easier for the third empire to check if the ball has touched that boundary pushing directly or it has bounced and the boundary pushing allow a bit of cushioning literally for the fielders so that even if they slide they are kind of a bubble wrap that they don't injure themselves and sometimes it's difficult to spot the ball when you don't have those boundary cushions and the ball just trickles away those boundary cushions are for a lot of reasons for advertisements which allow advertisers and sponsors to put their name over there and then there's a gap between the boundary cushion and the hoarding so that even if the player slide they don't collapse into the hoardings which are now electronic and equally dangerous as once upon a time as they were when they were static advertisements so these are just few minor changes that are brought about so you cannot see these as an excuse but overall how do we look at game number 2 well once again a team which could not score 100 in one game nearly chased down 240 then the team defending that score did it only because they the chasing team started slowly in their first 3-4 overs they got only around 20 25 runs so they were able to cushion that impact which the batters did in the last few overs when they just went head for leather and hit fours and sixes for fun but that's what 20 over is all about it's always been like this it, there there is no time to settle down you just go bang 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 that's the philosophy it's nothing to do with modern day cricket or ancient day cricket or medieval day cricket if the ball is supposed to be hit whether it's a small ground big ground even the best of ball yorker can go to the boundary that's the way things are in this particular sport and that's the way things will remain in this particular sport so there is no use complaining about how things are and how will game 3 progress of course there was this whole campaigning around it's 18 hours there was this whole campaigning around how south africa had never been beaten in india they had undefeated they never lost a bilateral tournament and everything that was said turned around so of course a complete turnaround india wins 2-0 India will play South Africa two more times in this match and in the group game where it might have a different mindset how will South Africa approach the last game well i don't think they will be affected by babumas not making runs and his strike rate being a question if he is the captain he will remain maybe he might switch places with another batter because when you lost the series especially in such series i have seen that suddenly the team wakes up suddenly they start making plans okay now we will exchange babuma and makram we will push babuma to number 5 we will push miller to number 4 i have seen that plenty of times you lose the series and the final game if it's a three match series or a five match series whatever be the thing suddenly 
the team wakes up, the management wakes up. Okay, we have to do something different. We've got nothing to lose. So let's do something which we have never done before in our entire life. Let's switch places. Let's get other individuals into the team. Let's get more attacking batters, attacking bowlers into the team. This is how they will approach it. Don't be surprised if whichever team wins the toss, they will bowl first. And if North Africa wins the toss, you might see someone like a Miller come at number four. Babuma exchange places with Makram. It's a possibility. They will not drop Babuma, but they will certainly change positions, switch positions, and give Makram, who has been scored at a decent rate, to open with Dekok with other batters. Or they might say, no, let's give the batters who haven't got a chance in this particular tournament a chance. Both teams have nothing to lose. The tournament has been won by one team. The last team could be giving chances to other players. That's how they look at it. Will they go for changes? Well, that's on them. I'm not going to get into that because these discussions have no concrete measure. It really doesn't make a difference how these discussions go on. But something interesting has happened as one knows the focus is on the 20-hour format with the 20-hour World Cup just a couple of weeks away. But the Indian Cricket Board scheduled a ODI tournament with South Africa. And if you look at the team selected for the ODI tournament where the usual suspects, the mainstream players won't be part of the setup, by the time this ODI tournament begins, those 16, 17 individuals will already be on the plane to Australia and land in Melbourne for a couple of warm-up games. So they'll have a couple of days just to get into the mood. And things like getting adjusted to the gap between the two countries and all those things. I think these players have traveled enough. They know there's a five and a half hour gap between India and Australia. They already know that. So I don't think it may, I don't think such frivolous things make a difference. But the 50-over World Cup, which is seen as an irrelevant thing right now, considering what has happened over the past few months and how pseudo-experts have called for the disbandment of the ODI format as a whole or reducing the number of overs and so much debate and discussion has gone into it. I don't really agree with it, but that's the way things are. Just have a look at the team. The players selected, they're not totally new players. They, they perform at the domestic level. Most of these players have performed at the international level. So it's not a new team at all. It's a new team in the sense that you don't have the usual suspects who were once upon a time in the fringe division. Most of these individuals could be called as individuals in the fringe division. But the thing is, you have only three games. How many changes can you make? Here also, there are a couple of usual suspects in Dhawan, Gil, Ayer, Ishan Kishan, Sanju Samson, Kuldeep Yadav, Rabi Bishnoi, Avesh Khan, Mohamed Siraj and Deepak Jar. These are Pot and Shadul These are the mainstream among the fringe division who have played at the highest levels, maybe not at the World Cup level, that's when you get a chance. But you, but from this group, I can assure you, I've said before, the likes of Shubman Gill, Ward, 
IR Ishan Kishan, Sanju Samson could be your main players and in four to five years time when the current group closes that chapter and moves on to another chapter which is post you know what these could be the guys and we call Rohit Sharma and Virat Kohli and their contemporaries as the best wide ball, red ball players don't be surprised in four to five years time you would be calling Gil as the best white ball player, best red ball player. Sanju Samson will be in that mode of Dinesh Karthik. He will be in and out of the team. He'll work hard to come into the team, then be dropped, then be in. Ishan Kishan will find himself along with Vishapan competing for that position. The likes of Aveshka and Mohamed Siraj will be competing. One, the likes of Bumrah and Mohamed Shami and Umesh Yadav also call it a stop to their respective careers. Then you have individuals like Rahul Tripathi who has been waiting and waiting and waiting for an opportunity. Third time he's been selected in a 16-17 member squad but has never got an opportunity to play in the main 11. That's one aspect of cricket which really makes me a little cringe-worthy where how do you decide? Three matches are not enough, but I think every country is obsessed with the number three. Three 50-hour matches, three 20-hour matches, three five-day matches, three other kind of matches. I think they are stuck on three. They don't want to move beyond three because I think three means that a schedule can get over in 20 days and they're going the women's division. The women's division don't schedule any match more than three, which I don't agree. I'll talk about the women's division on a later evening. But how do I look at this team? I look at this team as, well, giving Dhawan the captaincy, he could be the luckiest individual in the world that he's still being persisted with. He could have gone with a younger individual as a captain in a year. I would have even gambled with giving Shubman Gill. But Shikhar Dhawan comes in that mentor sort of a role who has nothing to lose, who has probably a year left because now he's in the super, super senior citizen category at the age of 36 and a half, 37. At 37, he's still not old in terms of non-sporting sense. But in sports, he's old. And as I've heard and seen and read in newspapers, you cross a certain age and your eyesight becomes weak, your reflexes become slow, and at 37, that's what that's what is that's what is thought of of a certain player. Well, in non-sporting terms, also you cross 30 and you cross 35, and you're in that super senior citizen category. But that's not the conversation for tonight. Well, you can say this team has no chance to winning against South Africa. They don't have the skills. Well. The individual we are so, so much in praise about right now, we could make a temple out of their names. You never know the three or four individuals. 10, 12 years ago, they were in the French category. They were traveling to places like Zimbabwe. They were playing in such tournaments when the main team was going to World Cups. So let's not get into that thing. 10 years from now, Gil, Guy Ward, Prithvi Shaw, Shreyas Ayer, Ishan Kishan, Samju Samson will be in that category. If you don't agree with me, well, that's not my problem.
that's your problem to consider but i'm telling you that will happen and there are some new players in mukesh kumar and shabash ahmed and rajat patidar who have come late into the picture but maybe the selectors had no option because the tournament was already scheduled they had to give somebody a chance so they just picked up a couple of players and said let's go for it let's give them a chance so i still think there are some more players who would have deserved a chance we can only have 16 17 players in the group so i think it's a good team whether to win 3-0 lose 3-0 2-1 1-1 i have no idea and all the three grounds are relatively smaller grounds one of them a ground on which i don't want to ever see a match happen but it's happening because of the rotation policy and that's how things work in this particular sport so while the mainstream players head to australia we'll have a couple of fringe players not everyone is fringe but since they're not in that team they are here so they are fringe 10 years from now they will be will be making a temple out of these names on who knows so i think it's going to be a great tournament it's going to test how things happen this tournament may not generate interest because by the time this tournament starts the world cup will come nearer and nearer and nearer but if it's scheduled let's respect that